Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Are we on? Hello, testing. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for Howard giving me this opportunity. He's put a lot of trust in me. Well, <laughs> um, I, I needed to be convinced to be here because I'm not really a speaker. So this is my first time, me and Becky, preaching at chapel. We've been here well over 13 years now, so quite a long time. You're probably wondering how old I am. Just the number in your head that you're thinking is probably 10 years older than that. Um, I'm usually behind the keyboard or a guitar leading the worship here, so you might have seen me there. But yeah, so this is my first time speaking to you today. Um, And if you're wondering how long it takes uh, for Howard to come and tap you on the shoulder and tell you, are you you all right to do a preach? Well... um, as I said, we've been here about over 13 years. So have a think about that now. It'll probably take about 10 to 15 years on average uh, for, you to, for Howard to come and ask you to preach. So think about that. <laughs> and um, if you have a law or science degree, you might get fast-tracked. Uh, <laughs> just a little joke. Um, but let's, uh, let's be serious now. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Sabbath. And um, this is an extremely important subject. And in preparing for this, uh, I've really uh, come to the realization that it's vital to get this right. It's vital to get the Sabbath and understand it um, for our lives and for the well-being and health of our lives. So... I hope that I'll be an encouragement to you listening today. If you're listening online, welcome. Um, so let's, let's go for it, shall we? Um, we're going to answer three main questions today. What is the Sabbath and why should we do it? Why aren't we doing it? And how do we do it? So let's begin with what is the Sabbath and why should we do it? Now, the word Sabbath is derived from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop or to rest. Now, in our day and culture, that's become increasingly difficult to do. In fact, the version of rest that is so widely accepted in our culture today, I would say, is not actually rest at all. It's quite the opposite. It's restlessness. You see, the scales or balance of life 
are tipped heavily in the favor of restlessness instead of rest. We're doing it to ourselves, and we probably don't even know we are. And the reason, we'll get to that in a bit. So why is the balance off? Why, is, why are we finding it hard to rest and to stop? Well, before we get into that, I want to give you the opportunity to challenge yourselves today. So, you might have noticed this little booklet when you came in. You might have one on your seat with a pen. The challenge is this, to turn off your mobile phones right now. So I'm going to do that just to prove I'm doing the same thing. If you don't know how to do it, just... Um... <laughs> uh, I used to work for Apple, so I can show you. Only if you have an iPhone, though. Now, um, go to Settings, General, and shut down at the bottom. Slide to power off. Done. When was the last time you did that? Probably never, right? <laughs> some of you are thinking, oh, this is going to be really easy. I can do this challenge. No problem. But some of you are thinking, oh, no, I'm going to be missing out already. This hasn't even been 30 seconds. So, let's see if you can keep that challenge. Now I have your full attention. You can use this notebook to make notes, and there's a pen there as well if you came in person. If you're watching online, feel free to get a, a pad or something to write your notes down. I hope you're also participating in this challenge. So, now we are ready to begin recovering this lost art, a practice that is absolutely vital for our well-being and our relationship with God. And yes, I'm talking about the Sabbath. So, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 1. God begins his work, creating the heavens and the earth, adding light, making darkness night, light day. And then he adds the skies the land and the seas, the plants and the trees, and then the seasons, the sun, moon, and stars, and every living creature on the planet. Easy. And then he, he made man in his own image. He saw that it was all good. And yes, I am paraphrasing here. If you want to look up Genesis 1, you can do that later. But he saw that everything was good. And then, what does he do? On the seventh day, he rested. Now, let's just pause and think about that. God, the almighty, all-powerful God, he rested. He spent some time, a day, to rest. And we can see the commandment from the Bible passage that was read there's a reference here that's the same. In Exodus 20.11, as you can see on the screen, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The verse in Genesis is the same. So God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work he had done in creation. So why... Does the commandment reference the creation story? 
I think it's because God wanted to show us the best rhythm in which to live our lives. He wanted to give us the blueprint to follow. He wanted to show us this is the way to do life. Work six days. Rest one day. Get into this rhythm. Move in sync. Are you moving out of sync with God? With the intended rest that he has for you? Are you moving out of step? Are you trying to dance with your father again, but failing miserably? Sorry, I had to put that in there. (laughs) Love that song. But yeah, we we need this rest. And this order is good for us. The reason is because God made us. Surely he knows what's good for us. He made the seventh day for us. So let's follow in his example and move to his rhythms. Another reason I think God rested was because I think he wanted to really enjoy what he had made. He wanted to experience it in its fullness and not just move on to the next project. He wanted to bask in its glory. When you've finished a piece of work, don't you want to appreciate what you've done? If you've created something, don't you want to take time to enjoy it? For example, if, if I'm writing a song or if I've written a, a piece of music, I want to listen to it afterwards to enjoy it and to remind myself that God has given me this gift and it's great and I can use it to glorify him. And it comes from God. So I think God wanted to just imagine the beginning of the world. The, the, the heavens and the earth were finished. Everything was untouched, unspoiled. And it would have been an incredible sight. Surely you want to take time to rest and enjoy that. Maybe that's what we need to do more. Instead of moving on, moving on. And not stopping. What am I getting at? We need the right perspective. The right perspective is this. My story and your story is one of billions in creation's grand story. We don't exist without God. And therefore, nor does the Sabbath exist without God. So it's impossible to do the Sabbath without God. It's not a day off to do whatever you want, is what I'm saying. It's a day to take time and reflect and to stop. Think about what God has done in your life and is still doing in your life for you, in you, and through you. It's a day to be in his presence and enjoy him. And yes, we're all different. We're all made differently. So we can do that in different ways. There's no special routine. There's no pray for four hours, read the Bible for four hours, worship for four hours, and then go on the streets evangelizing for four hours. If you can do that, uh, that's amazing and well done. But that's not the expectation here. It's about spending time with God. And we connect with God in all sorts of ways. My way would be through music. Um, and 
It could be through reading. It could be so many different ways. So find your way to connect with God. Is God in control of your schedule? Or are you trying to squeeze him in to a specific time? Two hours here, two hours there. God can fit in there, and that's all right. It should be the other way around. God, how do you want me to order my week? How do you want me to live this week? And where can I glorify you? It should be the other way around. David had the right perspective when he wrote Psalm 8. O Lord, my God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your fingers, the heavens, the work of your hands, I wonder, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? Who am I, Lord, that you, the God of the universe, (laughs) the creator of everything, You know me. You care for me. You love me. Surely that's a relationship that is worth seeking. Our response should be to worship him and be in awe of him and to thank him for everything that he's given us, even the very air that we breathe. How often do we thank him? Now, if God is taken out of the picture, we lose focus. We can't see clearly anymore. Life becomes about something else. Maybe someone else. Or, more often than not, it's about yourself. I can do what I want with my life because it's my life. This is the way I want to live. But the problem with that, the problem is that you will never be satisfied. You'll chase things of the world, material things. You will never find real rest. You'll feel in a state of restlessness for your whole life until you come to the realization that only God can give you the rest that you need. Only God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And being in his presence, being in the presence with the triune God. This is the only thing that will quench your thirst and your desire. So, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we keeping the Sabbath? Well, I can only speak from my own experience. So let's take a journey back to the past, the first fruits of the digital revolution. Rebecca and I were born in the year of 1985. Shows how, my, how old I am. Um, but it was a great year. It was a, the 80s. Come on. Right? Um, so what did we have? The NES, the Nintendo in- Entertainment System, had just come out. Super Mario Brothers. What a great game. What else happened? We used walkie-talkies to communicate. <laughs> Mobile phones and TVs were a luxury. And the best film in the world, or one of them, Back to the Future came out in that year. Great film. Uh, The internet had just come out. Let me say that again. The internet had just come out. I was two, I was uh, two years before I was born, the internet was released. 
There was a time before the internet, people. There was a time. Um, man, I feel old. The internet speeds in those days went up to a maximum of 56 kilobytes per second. If you need your phone to do maths, let me tell you, a thousand kilobytes is one megabyte. And a thousand megabytes is one gigabyte. Notice the correlation here between the internet speeds and our pace of life. We're now reaching speeds of up to 10 gigabytes per second. That's crazy when you think about it. Life was definitely slower in those days, but it was already starting to speed up. Fast forward to school, and you were lucky if you owned a mobile phone, much less a good one. I managed to get a Nokia 3310, which was amazing. It had Snake on it, and one of the best games at the time, um, if you're into mobile gaming. CDs were cutting-edge technology. Video games were going online, and soon came the birth of MMOs. If you don't know what that is, it stands for Massively Multiplayer Online a Video Game. And um, these games were designed to suck you in. And I was uh, vulnerable to that. I got sucked in to one of these games. And uh, it, promised, it was a fabricated world that promised fame and glory. Everything you ever wanted, even relationships. Very tempting for a lonely gamer who had little to no social skills. Yes, me. Why am I saying all this? Because I got distracted in life, and I wasted a huge portion of my life doing this. I actually worked out that I probably have spent a whole year and I'm talking about 24-7 in terms of hours, a whole year of my life playing games. Think about that. That's crazy, isn't it? It was mostly a waste. I'd be kidding myself if I thought it was worthwhile. The point is, it's easy to get distracted. It was for me 20 years ago let alone today. Fast forward another 10 years, and Becky and I got engaged. And uh, I managed to land a job working at the Apple store. And it was really good. I enjoyed it. I, um, I sold the products, and I, uh, I loved their products because I had their products. But you had to have their product to be part of the culture. It made you feel like you needed that. It made you feel like you would be left out if you didn't have that. Because we were talking about it. We were all, there was a buzz going on, you know. Have you, have you tried this out yet? And the culture made you feel like you had to have the very latest version. The very latest. Otherwise, you're missing out on all these features, these new features. The M1 chip in the MacBook, for example. But now, why, you know... All these features, think about that, the latest version of everything. Do you, do you feel like that sometimes? You've got to get the latest, the very latest version. No, someone's shaking their head. <laughs> Good. But sometimes we can get tempted into thinking these things, especially if we're in a culture that 
um, constantly talks about it. You know, we feel the pressure of needing to have the latest. They've got that, so I need to have that. It was designed that way. And this mindset, this thinking, this is the false gospel of the digital age, that we need more and we need it now. But the truth is, we have everything in excess. We have too much. There's too much information coming in now, and it's hard to process everything. Here are some other lies the gospel spreads, the false gospel. I don't have a choice. I'll start changing tomorrow. Just one more second, minute, hour of this. Let me do this. I can't live without whatever it is. I can't say no to this. It all depends on me, everything. I need to work as hard as I can because if I don't, something's going to happen. Being busy is better than being available. Are you wearing this busyness around your neck like a medal and thinking, oh, you know, it's good to be busy. You know, it's good, it's, it's good to have that. But uh, you might be missing out on what God is saying to you and you need to be available to hear his voice. What are you giving all your time and attention to right now? Are you even present right now or are you thinking about lunch? Think about what am I spending all my time doing? Is it something that God has given me to do? Is it the purpose and calling for which God has given me? Or am I getting distracted by other things? It's very easy to get distracted. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Because they won't last at the end of the day. The only thing that will last is your eternity with Jesus, if you believe in him. So store your treasures up in heaven. Matthew 6, 19. Let me read that verse. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you moving at 100 miles an hour every day? Pedal to the metal. Speedy Gonzalez, no time to stop. We've got to keep going. Fast forward your life, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Do you think you like that version of yourself if you keep going in the same way, or do you need a change? Do you need to follow God's rhythm more closely? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, everything that you need, he will provide for you. God wants your attention to remind you of your purpose and your calling. His still small voice is calling out to you. But are you too busy or is there too much noise to hear his voice? This could be a matter of life and death. 
and not just for you, for the people around you as well. What does the verse in the command say? On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Everyone in your circle should be experiencing rest. And we need to breathe this culture in our church and enjoy celebrating, stopping and resting. Are you struggling with anxiety? Not least because of COVID and everything that came with it. Where are you putting your trust? If you want to experience peace instead of anxiety, you need to trust in God. Are you panicking in the boat when the storm is raging? Do you know that Jesus is also in that boat with you? The disciples are like, Jesus, help, help. The storm is going to kill us. Are you, do you, are you anxious like that often? Well, Jesus in the, is in the boat, sleeping, having a great time. Disciples wake him up. Jesus, help. Calm the storm. Help us. Jesus says, what's all the fuss about? Come on, guys. You woke me up for this? Come on. Be quiet, storm. Done. Jesus is with you if you ask him to be. He can help you overcome your anxiety. The rest that God is offering here. It's not just about a day, a week. It's about what this day does for your entire life. And it can only do you good to stop and rest and reflect on the goodness of God and be in his presence. So let's summarize. Work hard and rest just as hard. Move in step to God's rhythm. Slow down to a stop. Say no to distractions. Have the right perspective. Focus on things that really matter in life. Your family, your friends, your church, your communities. Focus on things that will make a difference for eternity. And without stopping to think about these things, you won't ever find your purpose or your calling for life. So let's start taking this seriously. Let's start experiencing this rest and peace, and peace that God has for us. And we can experience that in every area of our lives. So let's start making that day count. Over to my wife. Is anyone itching for their phone yet? I know I was. Um, so good to have this opportunity to be here today. We've been here so long, as Mike said, and I've probably stood up here hundreds of times, but this is weird and it's a bit scary, um, but it's going to be great. So it's easy to listen to something like what Mike's just shared and think, yeah, Sabbath, I'm going to do it. I'm pumped up to get there. You know, I'm going to start tonight. I'm going to make my schedule. I'm going to clear my calendar. Woo! You know, I want to do it. I, I really think it's a good thing to do. But for me personally, I give myself till maybe Tuesday and then it all starts to unravel and life and everything else just gets in the way. 
Um, some of you know we have a toddler. Uh, she's 18 months now. And she follows us around. She's quite needy. And I could blame her and say, oh, well, I would do Sabbath, but, you know. But the truth is, actually, I've never been very good at this. I know it's something I should do. I want to spend more time with God. I want to dwell in his presence. I want to seek him and draw close to him. But I'm always the Martha in the story, the woman who, when Jesus was right in front of her, she was faffing around. She was folding napkins. She was making sure, you know, do you have enough to drink? She was fussing instead of being still and sitting with him. And I think so many of us can be like that. We're so busy with the stuff of life, as Mike said. We miss out on spending time with the giver of life. Whether it's overwork, putting too many things in our calendar, taking on more responsibility than we should. And so our job for today isn't to give you 10 top tips for Sabbath success. If you do these things, you'll be great. You'll walk with Jesus. Everything will be good. Our job actually is to point you to the one who was busier than you will ever be, was more important, no offense, was more in demand, and who was followed around by 12 disciples who, at times, they sound a lot more whiny than my toddler. And yet, he was able to do it. He was able to live this life, this Sabbath walk. He was able to slow down and stop. And talking about Jesus, of course. And so my first point, because I've been told it's a good place to start, follow Jesus. It's simple, really, isn't it? And so I'm going to just read to you this quote from John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says, Jesus' schedule was full to the brim at times, in a good way, yet he never came off hurried. This rootedness in the moment and connectedness to God, other people, and himself weren't the byproducts of a pre-Wi-Fi world. They were the outgrowths of a way of life, a whole new way to be human that Jesus put on display in story after story. Jesus' weekly schedule was a prophetic act against the hurried rhythms of this world. I love that, a prophetic act against the hurried rhythms of this world. Because that's what we're supposed to be, isn't it, as Christians? We're supposed to be prophetically speaking into our culture. We're supposed to be leading and pioneering. We're not supposed to be following and just doing what culture does. We're supposed to be showing the world a better way. Yet in our inability to rest, in our busyness, we're actually becoming so much like everybody else. They don't necessarily know that we follow Jesus. Coma goes on to say that Jesus would get up early and go to a quiet place. He'd go away for a week or so at a time. He would sleep so long the disciples had to wake him up. He'd enjoy lifelong meals and a bottle of wine. He'd set aside a day every week for Sabbath alone. Now this Jesus sounds worth following, doesn't he? He was effective, but he wasn't rushed. Every action was planned and not hurried. God was in everything. There wasn't time with God squeezed in. Everything was centered around the Father and making him known. So if we're serious about following Jesus, we need to be serious about Sabbath. It's not an optional extra to the Christian walk. It is the Christian walk. And Dave and Andresh are going to be talking more about 
Jesus' practices on the Sabbath next week, so I don't want to take too much of what they're going to say, except to say, follow Jesus and do it now. It's not something to squeeze in when your job's less hectic, when your children have grown up. We need to resolve to do Sabbath. We need to resolve to do it today. Because as Mike said, it's a matter of life or death. It's so important. And so my second point is to strive, to work, to push forward for this rest. Hebrews 4, and I'm going to read it quickly because it's quite a lot. Um, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Verse 4, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, and this is important, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So this passage, it looks backwards to the Israelites pushing forward to enter the promised land under Joshua's leadership. And some of them failed to do this. They failed to enter the promised land because of disobedience. And this passage looks forward to a day later on, a final future rest that we, the people who know Jesus, will get to experience with God in glory. The final Sabbath, heaven, the new creation that we can look forward to. But this passage also talks about a rest we can enjoy today, now, resting in the finished work of God through Jesus on the cross in perfect joy and peace. So there's a future Sabbath that we can enjoy to some measure today, now. And that's what the Bible is telling us to strive for. Now, striving is something we're not often told to to do in the Bible, um, a few passages, strive for peace with everyone, Hebrews 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, strive to excel in building up the church. But normally, and in my mind, when I think of strive, I think of something negative. I think of rest is, you know, chill out, and strive is do, do, do something, do. Um, and we sing in a well-known hymn, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. But actually, we're told here to enter this place of rest and to strive to enter it. It's something we need to do. And I think the strong wording is because, as it says in this passage, the human capacity for disobedience. It's easy to think that the consequence of not practicing Sabbath is just looking a bit tired or a little bit of anxiety here and there or getting a bit snappy or needing a glass of wine to calm you down at the end of the day. That's a consequence maybe of not practicing Sabbath well. But actually, they pale into comparison to what we're being warned about in this passage. And that's the third point. Don't slip into disobedience. Failure to enter God's rest to practice Sabbath leads to disobedience. It shows a lack of faith. And ultimately, it can mean missing out on what God's promised to do in your life. 
as Christians, we are saved by faith in Jesus. And when we are saved, we know we have a guaranteed future inheritance that no one can take away. But if we don't trust God enough to practice Sabbath now, today, we can lose that Sabbath, that presence of God in everything that we're doing. And we're telling God, actually, I can do this without you. I'm okay. We say to God, you know, I'll give you a, a couple of hours here and there. I'll give you 10 minutes on my way to work, but I'll do the rest. And what happens when we push God out of our lives? Our egos grow big. Our minds can be filled up with things not from God and our hearts become hard. We push God out of the equation. And so the alternative to rest, I don't think is stress. I think it's sin. The alternative to rest is not stress, it's sin. A heart at rest delights in God and finds joy and peace in him despite circumstances. But a heart distracted finds joy in self-promotion, idols, and when times get tough, we'll just crumble. And I think that can be many of us at times. We know God as our savior, but we don't live in his rest. It starts small, but then it spirals. We're vulnerable, so we seek comfort in the wrong things or the wrong people. We're burned out at work. We might take shortcuts that are ultimately harmful to other people and ourselves. But thank God there is grace and there is still time. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today is the day to resolve to rest, to start this lifelong journey of practicing Sabbath, to say, yes, I want to commit to following Jesus, to being his disciple in this way. But how? How do we do this? Um, we don't have that long. But one thing I'd encourage you to do is we did a really good series on this. It's called Still Knowing. Um, go back and listen to those four messages. Stop, look, listen, and live. We talked about ridding ourselves of legalism. We talked about how we worship and connect with God best. We talked about drawing out distractions, tuning into God's voice. There's so much good stuff out there with regard to practicing Sabbath, slowing down, living in the present, making the most of our time, enjoying God's creation. Um, but rather than telling you and giving you a list, do this, do this, do this, I think just the first step we can all take this morning, as the passage says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. We don't want to harden our hearts. We want to approach God with a soft heart and let him know everything in our lives is on the table. If you feel like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I've got no room in my life to take a day. I've got no room in my life to practice this well then I think we just need to lay everything on the altar today. We need to say, God, I'm giving this to you. I want to approach you with a soft heart. Maybe you could try making a list. I have about 200 lists on my iPhone of various things. But lists are great, aren't they? But maybe you could. You could just write down a list. What do I do in my week? What's, what's my week like, just roughly? Is there anything on that list that can go? Is there anything? Um, if there's not then I think you need to re-examine your list. But if you look at your list and evaluate, can anything go and put it on the altar? And what I mean by that is give it to God. Say, God, I think I need all these things. I think I need this. I think I need to do this. I think I need this. But I'm giving it to you. I'm approaching you with a soft heart, and I'm saying, okay, you can take it. 
if you want, you can take this. If you want, you can take that. And that's hard, but that's surrender, and that's the Christian life. Challenge you, if work takes up 50-plus hours a week, are you doing these hours just because everybody else is? Are you living in fear of what your boss thinks over what God thinks? What happens if you just spent 15 minutes less a day working and 15 minutes more praying? Now, I'm not saying don't work your hours, but I'm talking about those extra hours that we all do, that we're piling on, we're putting pressure on ourselves, and we're trying to please those around us when actually the work is done and we can rest in that. I believe that striving for God's rest is an act of faith. It's saying, God, for these 15 minutes I'm giving you, you are more important than this. I don't fear my boss. I fear you and I love you. You are enough. And the truth is, he is. God has more authority than your boss. He refreshes your souls um, better than even the best coffee. He gives greater joy than any relationship. And he supplies our every need. Time with God is never wasted. We always receive way more than we give. And if we can do this, I believe we'll not only know a deeper sense of peace and rest as individuals, but actually God will grow us and knit us together as a church. We'll be less hurried and we'll be more in tune with each other. We'll be more available to help each other. We'll be more stirred up to speak truths over each other. And we'll be more confident to step out in our gifts and even more than that, we'll be more attractive to the world around us who will see how we're living our lives and will want to know more about that and know more about Jesus. So to summarize, as the band come back up, Sabbath is a prophetic act against the hurried rhythms of this world. It's not going to happen by accident. It's something we need to strive for. If we fail to do it, it can lead us into disobedience but if we embrace it we can live a life of glorious fullness until one day we enter the most glorious of sabbath where we're with jesus for eternity i'll end here with the words of jesus in matthew 11 come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, we want to thank you that it is finished, that you have done an the work of salvation, God. You have saved us and you have given us that guaranteed future inheritance, that final rest where we will be with you in glory, Lord. And I thank you so much that a taste of that is available to us now. And we want that, Lord. We need that. We want to live a life that is pleasing to you and is fruitful and is attractive, Lord, to those who don't know you yet. And so we come before you now with our lists with our jobs with the things that we're doing that are clouding you out lord they're taking up more time than they should that are distracting us lord and we ask that you would give us your yoke that is light lord 
you would give us your peace and your joy and you would show us where we need to step back from something so we can take on time with you, so we can take on this rest, Lord. Please soften our hearts. Please show us your immense power, your ability to control everything, Lord, despite us, Lord. You are more than sufficient. You supply all our needs, God. I pray you'll meet with us now and help us to soften our hearts before you and give everything to you, Lord. Amen. Great. Why don't we stand together? Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.